Hi, welcome to Peace Lutheran Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Brad Schollenberg. We're going to take a look at the parable of the uh, shrewd manager from Luke chapter 16. And it reads like this. Jesus told his disciples, There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do, so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 400. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. For the people of this world, are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. So he said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. This is the reading from the Gospel. It is a fascinating parable you just heard. Recapping the story. The dishonest manager had no scruples against using his position for his own benefit, even if it meant perhaps cheating his master. Knowing he would lose his job, the manager planned for his future by discounting the debts owed to his master in order to obligate the debtors to himself. Now, it's not clear whether he was giving away what really belonged to his master or if he was simply foregoing the interest payments that he did not have a right to charge anyway. The manager may have originally overcharged the debtors. Who knows? It was quite common practice in that day. So, to reduce the debts, he may have returned the figures to their initial amounts, which would both satisfy his master and gain the good favor of the debtors. In any event, the point is this. He was shrewd enough to use the means at his disposal to plan for his future well-being. I'll say it again. He was shrewd enough to use the means 
at his disposal to plan for his future well-being. And then Jesus tells us, for the people or sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the people of God. Think about it. People are always looking for angles, ways to survive, ways to get ahead. Jesus wants us to be smart like that, but smart like that for the right reason. Using such things as every adversity, using all the wealth that God has given us to gain friends. In verse 9, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Jesus said the same kind of thing a couple chapters earlier in chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. When you give a feast, you know, spend your wealth. Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So, use your wealth to help those in needs who in the future will show their gratitude when they welcome you into heaven. So, when you help those who can't repay you in this life, they will likely love to repay you when they see you in heaven. Because in heaven, they will be rich like you. Make friends using your wealth. What an interesting idea. Now, he's not saying you should buy friendship just for the sake of buying friendship. He's certainly not saying you can buy your way into heaven. He's saying spend money, your wealth, your time, talent, and treasure if you want to expand it, so that people will be your friend. It sounds odd, but it works. I mean, have you ever met someone who's really generous and lonely? Likely not. People like generous people. Proverbs 19.6 And when people like you, they listen to you. And Jesus is saying here to make friends through the use of your wealth by being generous to other people, especially those in need. Being generous with your time, your talent, and your treasure. Some people who do not believe think that the church is all about money. That's all the church is interested about. Well, you can prove them wrong. Be known as a giver, not a taker. And if we come to non-Christians seeking to make these kind of eternal friendships that Jesus is speaking about, and we begin with generosity... You know what happens. It confuses people. You saw that my car broke down and you're my neighbor and you walked over to my house and you asked me if I needed a car and you said I could borrow yours. Wow, what's with that? Why are you being so nice to me? And then you get to tell them why you are being so generous to them. The single mom that you meet, she doesn't go to church. She's struggling to make ends meet. Times are hard. 
she's got a newborn, you go and buy her a box of diapers and you start helping her with her rent or groceries. And she says, why do you do that? You say, you know what? Ultimately, everything I have belongs to God. My God's a loving God. He's a gracious God and I'm a steward, a manager. So he gives things not just to me, but through me. And he wanted me to help you and to tell you that he really loves you and he's concerned for you. And by the way, his name is Jesus. He's a giver. And the whole theology of the Bible is that God gives, God gives, God gives, and he gives salvation. And God's whole relationship towards us is one of grace, giving, where he gives generously and he gives lavishly and he gives gladly. And he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to suffer and die on the cross for our sins so that we could live in paradise with him. It's the greatest gift of all. So use your wealth to make eternal friends. And then now think about that. Isn't that really what God did anyway? Yeah. He gave the greatest gift, his one and only son to us. Hmm. Love people. And what Jesus is saying, be a good manager so you can be a generous giver. And then he speaks to us to motivate us to act now and not wait. He says regarding wealth, when it fails, not if, but when. Jesus says, when it fails. For some, wealth fails in this life. And some of you have experienced that and you know people who have experienced that. You lost your job. You got into big debt. You had huge unexpected bills. You took risks and lost a lot. Wealth can fail in this life. But for all, wealth fails for all at the end of this life. You know the old saying, you can't take it with you. You can't. We are all beggars before God. You and I will stand before God on the other side of this life and there's nothing we can bring to earn salvation. There's nothing we can pay to receive eternal life. When we stand before Almighty God, our pockets will be empty. Our wallets will be empty. So Jesus is saying, spend your money wisely, generously, now. And there's nothing wrong with saving money so that when you die, you leave some to your children. But a good question to ask, do my children really need it? They might be doing quite well. Why don't you give some of it to someone who really does need it? And why wait until you die? Be generous now. God was certainly generous with you. And when you die, he's going to open up those pearly gates and he's going to give you eternal life in paradise. And it's a gift through the person, work, life, death, and resurrection of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. We leave this world with nothing to gain absolutely everything. We leave this world with nothing 
to gain absolutely everything. And I'm not 100% sure that we, we really believe that and live like we believe that because we're so bent on pursuing worldly wealth. And Jesus knows that. And he's saying, why? When I've got everything you could possibly dream of waiting for you in heaven. So sometimes we're so short-sighted in our thinking, we don't realize that this life, it's an opportunity to love people and to serve God, and one day we'll stand before him. And what we wear in heaven will be a gift, and where we live in heaven will be a gift, and what we eat in heaven will be a gift. And the kingdom of God is nothing but a series of gifts, nothing that we brought with us, but everything that God gives graciously, generously, lavishly. So if that's our future waiting us, then why don't we use all that God gives through us, why don't we use that to make eternal friends, to bring other people into heaven so they can have those riches too. So he says, knowing that wealth is going to fail, use it. Don't worship it. You cannot serve two masters. It's either God or money. And many people in our world are now feeling that, that pain. Wealth has failed them. And I'm going to just give you one fascinating example of how wealth has failed. In 1928, some of the world's most wealthiest people met at the Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago. Those in attendance were the president of the largest utility company in the U.S., the greatest wheat, wheat speculator, the president of the New York Stock Exchange, a member of the U.S. presidential cabinet, the greatest bear on Wall Street, the president of the Bank of International Settlements, Settlements and the head of the world's largest monopoly. A short 25 years later, 25 years later, these were their fates. Charles Schwab was the president of the largest steel company, lived on borrowed money the last five years of his life and died broke. Arthur Cutton went from being the greatest wheat speculator to dying broke. Richard Whitney, the former president of the New York Stock Exchange, served a term in a Sing Sing prison. Albert Fall, who had served as a member of the president's cabinet, was found guilty of conspiracy and bribery, thus imprisoned, but was granted a pardon that enabled him to die at home. Jesse Livermore, who had been dubbed the greatest traitor on Wall Street of all time, committed suicide. Leon Fraser, who had served as the president of the Bank of International Settlements, committed suicide. Ivan Kruger, who had been head of the world's greatest monopoly, committed suicide. When wealth fails, and it will, so don't trust it. It's a wonderful tool, but it's a horrible God. Wealth is a wonderful tool to serve the real God. So Jesus says, be a good manager who loves people and is generous to those in need. And what do people need the most? Think about that. They need to know that God loves them and that Jesus died for them to forgive them their sins. They need eternal life. They need the gospel that can save them. So use your wealth wisely that people get that message. And that message will only get to them through the work of the church. As far as I know, it is only coming to this world through 
the work of the church. I'll give you just a practical example of how this might work. And there's all kinds of examples, and it's so exciting to think of how individually we can use our time, talent, and treasure to love people, especially those in need, and make friends with them for eternity. We can do that also corporately as a church. So here's the example. It costs us about $15,000 a year to go to Pelican Narrow, Saskatchewan, and Sachigo Lake, Ontario. Ontario. That, that's a lot of money. And that's just to get there and back and feed us. We sent 24 people. You do the math. That's around 3,500 hours of manpower. Close to 146 24-hour days when you count the food and craft prep and shopping. It's a lot of time and money to spend on those remote small communities. I mean, they can't pay us back. So what are we doing it for? Well, we're being generous. We are building eternal friendships. And we're using our worldly wealth to make eternal friends. I mean, how many of you think about going to heaven? And when you get there, the first people to greet you are going to be those who say, thank you for sharing God's love with me. Thank you for coming all that way. When you didn't have to, you could have been doing anything else, but you came all that way to go, come and visit my community and tell me that God loves me and he cares for me. Thank you for sending those people to teach me about Jesus. Thank you for doing what Jesus asked you to do. Thank you for being a friend to me when I so desperately needed it. Now come, let me introduce you to the one who saves us all. Let me introduce you to Jesus. Man, God has blessed this part of our ministry. Absolutely. And you can imagine if every single one of us would be generous in our daily lives, the impact we have on the world. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. We've been blessed individually, corporately as a church family. We've been blessed. And we've got to use that to make eternal friends. It's powerful. But the question that this parable leaves me thinking about, because it is about managing what does not belong to us. We know we can trust God, but can God trust us? And can God trust me with what he's given me? And so, boy, managing our lives to the glory of God, we cannot do this without the help of our Savior Jesus Christ. And wow, this is so radically different than any message we hear in the world. And we are by nature selfish. But 
the Bible does tell us the good news. We've been given a new nature. Yes, we're poor in spirit, but we've been given God's spirit. Yes, we're weak, but we've been given God's strength. And so we pray today, God help us to be good managers. God help us to be the good managers he calls us to be and to make eternal friends as he calls us to do with what he has given us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.